everybody welcome to another episode of the breakpoint podcast starring myself marcus my co-host frankie nicolazzi and our very special guest from australia mr philip hibler philip welcome happy to be here Guys, in case you don't know, uh, Philip is a Division One tennis player at Long Island University, also known as LIU. I had the go very yes, go Sharks! Thank you, Frank. Uh, I had the amazing honor of coaching Phil uh, last year before I moved out to Colorado. But uh, Phil is a great player. Um, he brings in a ton of insight into not only just the tennis game in general, but also the Australian Open and the Aussie tennis game, including some of the wild card and qualifying participants. So we're excited to kind of kick things off. Um, Phil, give us the vibe. What is it like at the Australian Open? I mean, I think I think personally that it's a, it's one of the arguably the best major of the year, but that's probably a bit biased. I've been there about, you know, seven times the Open. Um it's just it's like a it's like one big party happening. You know, there's so many matches happening at once, so many great players uh and that starts from day 1 of qualifying and it's just it's just such a great such a great tournament, so many good matches happening every every single court, so it's exciting, yeah. Yeah, I happen to agree with uh, Philip. Like I've mentioned on this podcast that Australia is the one tournament that I would really like to go to in my lifetime. I think it's just it seems like it's such a party. And um, I do have family actually that lives within in Melbourne and like they go to the Open almost every year. And they have basically described it as a giant Aussie party for two weeks. And like what I really appreciate about the Australian Open more than any other of the of the Grand Slams is that it seems like it's the most casual it seems like it's the most player centric and most like relaxed of all of them and doesn't quite have like the snottiness let's say that Mm. like a Wimbledon or Roland Garros has which like on one hand the prestige of winning like a Wimbledon or Roland Garros is like amazing and people love that but on the other hand like there is a benefit to being like the fun major uh, is what i would call australia so um i always look forward to it there's always so many memorable matches and i really do think that if the australian open was farther along in the season like let's say we ended with the australian open most people would be of the opinion that it's the best major of the year yeah, the Australian Open, in addition to that, guys, has made tremendous leaps and bounds since the 80s. And kudos to the Aussie people, because the Australian Open back then was just kind of an afterthought. Like, no one, none of the top players actually traveled there. And now it has become not only a mandatory part of their schedule, but a part of their schedule where a lot of the top players are like, all right, this is where I can get my opportunity, right? It's directly after the offseason. You play one or two warm-up tournaments, and then you kind of get right into it um, in, in the summer heat there, down under. So the Australian Open's sick. You know, hopefully we'll be able to go there one day um, and, and join you down there, Phil. But uh, also, let's, yeah. Also, another thing that's really interesting about Australia is like it's one of two countries that I can think of off the top of my head that has an entire swing of the ATP tour that revolves around it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's the U.S. Open and the United States in the late summer, and it's Australia for what is their early summer an hour like beginning of the year winter swing like players are going there for like six seven weeks right and it's one of the only places that has that on the tour yeah no i completely agree and um like it's called we call it the summer of tennis in australia and like and some of my friends from school they're not really tennis players but they were joking with me like they're like for like for january 
for January, tennis is like the favorite sport of Australia. Then everyone forgets about it for the whole year. And then <laughs> next January, it's a favorite sport again. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds about right. We unfortunately don't have that type of uh, vibe here in the U.S., but that's what makes the Australian Open so cool. Phil, before we get into some of the main draw stuff, let's talk about your kind of junior career because I, I was chatting you before we started recording and you had mentioned that you had actually seen some names in this draw specifically the qualifying yeah. who you yeah. think could make some moves who do you think could make some moves and sneak into the main draw from the qualifying who you've played against yeah for sure um so well one of my hopes was james mccabe he he's a guy who i played against multiple times in juniors and you know i, I actually beat him twice but he just made complete like huge leaps in his game he's playing amazing tennis so kudos to him um he lost in three sets in the first round now, another player in the draw who I think has a very good chance of qualifying is Dane Sweeney. Um, I didn't get the chance to play against him in a match, but our school played his school in, in our, like, Aubrey National Championships, which was like the, like the schoolboys national uh, competition. And I got to watch him play firsthand. He's about five foot seven. He's a short guy, but he still has quite a good serve. But his athleticism is just amazing to watch. And, you know, he won 6-1, 6-1 against, I think it was the... 14th or 16th seed in qualifying today, Vic Capriva. Um, and that was just, that was an amazing, amazing match to watch. I got to watch it. And the way he played, I think he's definitely a threat to make the main draw, in my opinion. That is awesome. And we would love to see some some good Aussies who give that, who are given that opportunity to kind of, you know, especially Dane Sweeney. I saw he got a wild card in there. That would be amazing if he can get into the main draw. The Aussies would definitely back him up. Before we start getting into picks and such, and kind of discussions around that. I do want to make some notes here. So uh, in terms of people who have pulled out of the Australian Open, Carlos Alcaraz has unfortunately pulled out. He's number one in the world, currently citing a... Uh, what was the injury again? Oh, boy. I thought it was still his abs. Still his abs, right? Ham, no, I thought it was a hamstring. hamstring? He, tweaked, he tweaked his hamstring, oh boy. I think. Yeah. That's a whole nother discussion. Um, <laughs> Frank, keep quiet here. Uh, <laughs> um, Riley Opelka has unfortunately pulled out Gael Monfils and Camille Makcharik. Uh In terms of wild cards, we have uh, Jason Kubler from Australia. Dominic Team has been given a wild card. A little bit more on that in a bit. Uh, Alexei Papirin, Yi Bing Wu, Christopher Eubanks is the U.S. Uh, wild card. That's the exchange program they got with the U.S. Open. Luca Van Ash, who Frank mentioned on our previous episode, is one of the young and up-and-coming French players, 18 years old, I believe, uh, also has a wild card. John Milman, a.k.a. the Milkman, who beat... Uh, was it uh, was it joke? No, it beat, was it Federer? Federer? Yeah, he beat Federer a couple of years ago. Uh, and then Rinki Hijikata also. Um, also making some guest appearances on protected rankings who we haven't seen in a while. Lloyd Harris, Kyle Edmund, Guido Pea, and Jeremy Shardy um, all pretty much have very low or practically no rankings. So this is going to be an interesting draw. Obviously, with Carlos being out, it's a little disappointing, but um, we still got a, a very, a very good field here. Um, let's talk a little bit about who we expect to make a deep run. And I mean, expect, we really expect for them to make a deep run, um, in terms of, I'm talking like semifinals are better here, guys. We'll start it off with you, Phil. Uh, all right. So do you want me to go like from order of like, like my favorites and just like name like a couple favorites, I guess, cause they're the ones who I'd say are going to make semis or. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can roll with that. I like that. All right. So I would not want to count out Djokovic for sure. Um, I wouldn't want to count out Berrettini. Uh, Kyrgios, 
Kyrgios, I think he's definitely a threat. He's motivated. Just the question is whether he's got enough matches going in. I know he's dealing with a bit of an injury. Um, so he's, he skipped the, uh, the lead-in tournament, uh, the United Cup. But Kyrgios, I'm going to put him there as well. And one more. I, I've got high hopes for Felix, man. I think he's, he's had some great form. I know it was on indoor courts, but I really think his game's just, when he's on, he should definitely be a threat to make a deep run. And I'm also excited to see how Yannick Sinner plays. I mean, he finished last year off really strong, so I'm excited. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good list. Um, I really like the the mention of Berrettini because he's someone that has performed pretty well in Australia and beat Carlos Alcaraz there last year, if I remember right, in like that epic quarterfinal that went five sets. So I think that's a good shout. I think this is a good chance for him to really bounce back. Novak, I think, is probably my favorite to win the entire tournament. So I think 100% has to be there. The FAA mention, I think, on one hand, I understand it. Like, talent-wise, like we've all said, no doubt, top five in the world talent-wise. I have no, no, will not debate you there. But I just don't know if he's going to have anything to do more than be in a semifinal. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he made a semifinal, to be honest. But I don't know if he's going to be able to beat a guy like Djokovic Really? Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, yeah. No, but... and I forgot to I forgot to mention one name as well that I I have to sorry I have to mention it because I think that he's he's up there as one of my favorites and that's that's Taylor Fritz man he's been playing amazing. You were, you stole my line you sorry, stole it sorry. yeah that's who I was about <laughs> to oh, mention. Baby. You're scoring points yeah, here. Yeah, very Phil. good. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. That's who I was uh, gonna mention as the glaring omission was Taylor Fritz. I think Taylor Fritz is gonna have a big. I mean, Marcus said it. I think he's gonna have a big year. And I think he's going to have a big Australian Open because he has been playing so, so well in the run-up here. And typically that is a good sign uh, in Australia, more so than like the other majors. If you're having like a really strong Aussie swing, that usually like directly is able to translate. So I am going to like give Taylor Fritz a pretty good chance to make the semifinals, if not run a little bit deeper. I think the only guy here who is like a real obvious you know, wall to Taylor that he's probably just not going to be able to beat is Novak Djokovic. But against everybody else, I would give Taylor a, a pretty good fighting chance. The other person that I'll mention, the last person I'll mention is is going to be Stefano Tsitsipas, who, again, I am the president, CEO, chairman of the board of the Tsitsipas Hate Club, but the guy loves Australia. He has a ton of support specifically in Melbourne from the Greek community there. You saw it during the United Cup. We've seen it at the Australian Open over and over again. The court plays to his strengths. He seems to play just really, really well there, especially at those night sessions. So, And he's a guy that can take the heat really well too, which is also pretty important in Australia. So I would put Sitsipas within that top sort of echelon. So for me, it's going to be Fritz, uh, Sitsipas, uh, Djokovic, and then... I actually will throw in Berrettini. I think that's a good shout. I'll, I'll go Berrettini as my my fourth. I'm going to be a little bit of the contrarian here um, on, on on mainly three fronts. Uh, obviously, Djokovic is going to be in the semifinals or better. I think Nadal makes it also to the semis or better purely just based on the lack of kind of competition, especially in the top seeds, in my opinion. Um, Frank is shaking head, but 
That's my opinion, not yours. Uh, I, I think the guy is also just so tough mentally. I don't know if these other kind of lower ranked between, you know, 9 and 15 are going to be able to take him out at the Aussie Open. I don't think Nadal necessarily makes the final. I do think he makes at least a semifinal run. Three names that kind of pop out to me to also watch out for. Uh, Francis TFO made the semifinal of the U.S. Open, has been playing some seriously good ball, looked really good at the United Cup. Uh, has I think he's got that confidence in himself to like finally actually you know go out and beat some of these top dudes, especially against with that match against Carlos where he almost took him out. I think that says a lot about him and his willingness to go beyond what he thought he could. Um, another one that I'm going to throw out, and this one might shock you guys a little bit, is Karen Kachanov. I think that he can do really well at the Australian Open. I think that he's got a really good game. He plays well in heat. He does done well at the U.S. Open before in similar type of conditions. Fast pace there. I think Karen Kachanov could also make a run depending on the draw. Um, so those are going to be my kind of picks. Oh, and the last one was uh, our one of our podcast favorites, PCB, Pablo Carreño Busta. Also another very, very underrated hardcore player has done extremely well in hardcore events. He could sneakily make a semifinal there, I believe. But guys, I think I think we're forgetting someone, to be honest. Wait, we wait, wait, wait. Neil Medvedev. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I love how we... Oh, man. Yeah, Daniil... No, we, 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 we didn't forget about him. Daniil... That's that's a complicated one, to be honest with you. I think that's a very complicated one. I don't know if he is as clear cut as like for me, like at this point, Marcus, in a match, who would you take in best of five? Fritz or Medvedev? I would probably take Fritz. You know, and that's not something that I feel like I've said um about Daniil. That has not been the sentiment over no, the last two years. I, I, I think sure. that we've always thought of Daniil as like the hardcore favorite against everybody but Djokovic. So I don't know. I mean he's definitely in the mix. He's definitely within like that top, you know, uh five to six players, but I just don't know if he necessarily is gonna be I mean that's the other thing that Medvedev is one of those guys that really benefited from having a high seed and he's going to be the seventh seed uh, anticipated at this, at this uh, Australian open. So like if he goes up against like a Sitsipas or like, again, like Djokovic being the four seed is problematic. Like he could get matched up at Djokovic. Like I think that is a matchup that would be really quite bad for him. And then all of these guys have to worry about, you know, and this is, this is something that's a positive for the tour, but like in this 10 to 12, like 10 to 16 range, even 10 to 18, I'll go there. Right. We have Herbie, Hubi Herkash, who's great. Cam, Cam Nori, who is a pain in the ass to try to beat. Alexander Zverev is there. Berrettini is there. PCB is there. Yannick Sinner's there. Francis Tiafo's there. Marin Cilic is there. Lorenzo Musetti is there. Karen Kachanov is there. And Nick Kyrgios, by the way, rounds up the top 20. So, like, I just think that the depth that the tour has now is really is at the highest level it's been in a very long time, to be perfectly honest. And I think that we're going to start to see how much seeding is important because in the past, like, 10 years, let's call it, seeding has not really been important because everybody was just going to try to <laughs> was just going as far as until you met the big three and then you were just kind of screwed. Right. Whereas now, like, the lines are so blurred 
that you're starting to see like, oh, like if you get a great draw, like you could have a clear path to the final potentially if you just make a run. And that didn't exist before because you always ran into one of those guys in at least the semifinal, you know? I think that's I think that's an absolutely an absolutely fair assessment. I think that this Australian Open, and we can get into it now, I think this is going to be a tournament of upsets. I mean, and I don't know how you guys feel, but the depth is just way too good. Uh, it's way too deep, and the seeds are scattered in an unconventional way because some things are getting a little flippy here. Like Djokovic is seeded four, right? So that means he might have to play like Rublev in the quarters. You know, he's going to have to play like a, a Horkash, a Nori, or a Severov in the in the round of 16. I mean, it's going to get dicey, man. It's going to get dicey. Like if um, I was to tell you that any of the players that I listed, and Philip, this is for you too, any of the guys that I listed from in, that are in that 10 through 20 mate range were to make a run and make a semifinal, would you actually be like that surprised? Because I wouldn't. Like, I think all of those guys are really good players. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, it's a, the, the 10 to 20 is looking like very dangerous. Phil, who do you have on upset alert? Who's going to make an upset or who's going to get upset? Oh, wow. Let's go with both. I'm that man, yeah, I mean, Feels my good. man has balls of steel. Respect. <laughs> Let's right. do it. Give us both, Phil, while you're at it. So, oof, okay, so I think the person... And, and okay, w- w- when you say an upset, do you mean purely by seed? So, like, the seed one losing to, like, the seed 15? Or do you mean by, like, like by, by what we would expect? So, I mean by, I guess, by general expectations. So, an example would be, like, if you thought Djokovic was going to leave before the quarterfinals. You okay, know what I mean? Yeah. Something like that. Like, uh, general expectations. Who is on upset alert? To upset and to also be upset. Okay. Um, I think I think Nadal's going to lose earlier than expected. I don't think he's going to make the semifinals. I mean, look, like time time is not on his side, and he lost both of his matches at Adelaide. Uh, at Adelaide, oh no, at the United Cup, sorry. And I know that Nadal's a different beast than Grand Slams completely, but this is still unlike him to not win any matches going into the Australian Open. I mean, last year he won the lead in tournament. Um, but who knows, man. I agree with Phil. I think Nadal is the very clear-cut pick. I think Nadal probably loses in the round of 16 at least. You know, that I think there's a potential that he gets upset earlier, but I would I would be surprised in a 3 out of 5 format if that does happen, but like if you were to tell me in the round of 32 that, you know, Nadal goes up against somebody like, you know, Roberto Batista Agu or like Borna Koric and though one of those guys plays the match of their lives and they beat Nadal, I wouldn't be like completely surprised. Um, so I, I would generally agree with that. I think, I think Nadal is, is the, the prime candidate. I think for the person that could pull an upset against one of like the higher tiered players, depending on the draw is going to be Lorenzo Musetti for me, who I think like just has that sort of game style that is so crafty and so unique that if he is just like on one day, like very similar to Fognini, if he's on he can really just hang with anyone in the world and just pull off and a big upset. Fair picks. I do disagree with the Nadal one, but that's okay. That's a separate conversation. My picks. I think I think Daniel Medvedev is on upset alert. I think he I think he could go before round three or four. I would not be surprised if that happened at all. Um, I also think somebody who could upset is a guy named Sebastian Corda. Mm-hmm. Sebastian Corda has been playing some seriously good ball. We just saw him make the final of Adelaide 1, almost beat Joker. Uh, he's starting to fill out in his frame a little bit, looks physically a little bit better than he has in years past. 
He's got the game, great backhand, uh, has improved his serve quite a bit, really overall great from the ground. Uh, his, I don't know if it has anything to do with it, but his dad has also had great success at this tournament. I think that he could be somebody who could upset one of the top eight seeds in this tournament if given the chance. Um, but but I think besides him, I really think Daniil and I mean, we always have to put in FAA because you know he can just crap the bed at any time. I agree with your assessment of quarter, by the way. I think that's a great pick. Next question for Phil is, who do we think is a dark horse to win the tournament? I would say my dark horse is definitely going to have to be Nick Kyrgios. Um, or I, I, like, I like that. I think it was Frankie mentioned him, or maybe it was you, Marcus, Cameron Norrie, because he was playing really solid tennis towards the end of last year. I don't know if, a slam, if he's ready to win a slam yet, but I mean, a dark horse, you know, unlikely, I guess, but. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good shout. I think I don't know if Cam Nori has the potential to win it because I think he's just like he I I, I just don't know if he has the game like that, but Yeah, I, I mean, can't see him. He doesn't have like that seventh Yeah, yeah I, I just don't know. Exactly. I don't know if he has that gear in him yet. But I I love the shout and like I said, I think he's a pain in the ass to beat. So like it wouldn't surprise me if he overperforms what I expect. Uh, I think that there are two dark horses. Uh, yeah, I'll go th- actually three dark horses, three. And I think that these are players that they have that gear and maybe their ranking doesn't necessarily reflect it uh, for right now. Number one is Alexander Zverev, who I think, you know, if he's showing up healthy, the guy's as good as anyone in the world. But we'll see how he plays with the injury. That's a big unknown. Number two is Yannick Sinner, who, if that guy's locked in, good luck to everybody in the field. That includes Novak Djokovic, who he has been able to hang with when they play. And number three, I think, is what Phil said. Gotta be Nick Kyrgios. He's another one that has that gear where he's as good as anyone else in the world when he's on. Yeah, damn, Frank, you stole my dark horse. But it was also kind of everybody's dark horse, I guess. Yannick Sinner was going to be my dark horse just because I think that he absolutely has that gear and the subtraction of Carlos, who can kind of match his level of, of speed and, and ball striking ability, um, leaves not many too, leaves not too many other guys in the field who can do that. Really, Joker and Nadal and, the you know, Nadal again, I think he'll make the semis, but I don't really see him getting much further than that. Um, you know, I unfortunately don't think Casper Ruud is really a candidate to win the Australian Open. I know he did just make the final of the U.S. Open, but I also don't really consider he's him. He's not a dark, dark horse. horse no, he's he's a t- he's the second ranked player in the world, yeah. right? What isn't he third? You you can't be a dark he, he's, horse. He's he's three in the world. Yeah, but I, yeah, but not even as a favorite. Like I think we need. I didn't want to forget. I didn't want to leave this episode not mentioning Casper because he is a I top think, three player, and that would I be mean, listen, Casper is a good player who I think will comfortably make at least the round of 16, if not better. But um, hard courts are just not like his, his, they're not where I'm expecting a ton of him. So if, if, if Casper Root is able to get to like the quarterfinals of this, like that's a W for me from Casper's perspective, like that gets him a good enough amount of points that it's like good. This question that I have for both of you is this, I mentioned him, Alexander Zverev. What are you expecting of him? I I have to be honest. I watched him play in the United Cup, and I'm not expecting much. 
I think he's, he's, his movement is noticeably slower. Like that guy was a good mover, like a very good mover. Now he's, he wasn't chasing half the balls and stuff. And I don't know how much his ankle, his fitness is going to improve in two weeks. Um, what I could see happening is if he got like some good confidence boosting wins at the start, then had a bit of luck and, you know, maybe something could happen, but cause he's got that, he's definitely had that level in the past, but I think it's just a bit too much too soon to expect from him to be honest, but we'll see. <clears throat> yeah. I'm, I'm not expecting much. German media is reporting that he's also got an elbow issue Oof. going on. So I, and and he and like Phil mentioned, he's looking a little bit slow. I know he came out hot and beat Djokovic at that Indian, no, was it Saudi Arabian, exhibition. whatever exhibition yeah. thing? Yeah, I mean, it was on. Yeah, I'm I'm not buying it really. Unfortunately, I would love for him to get back to where he was. It makes it the game more interesting. Don't think we're there yet. Um, last kind of hot topic, and <laughs> this might this might end up being really funny. What do we think of Dominic Team? So funny. I was just thinking about him. I I, I think that's like a very, uh, that's another super complicated question. Does he deserve the wild card? Probably because he's won a grand slam. So sure. But I don't really know how much I'm expecting out of him. I think he's, I, I think he'd be, maybe he wins a match, maybe two, if he's lucky. I I think I think second round, third round tops. That's my guess. And I could be completely wrong. What do you think, Phil? Yeah, no, I I agree with you, frankly. Frankly, like I don't expect him to win more than one or two matches. I mean, he just played Adelaide qualifying, lost six four six one to Sun Wukong, who's not a bad player for sure. But I mean, four and one, and I don't know. I I think I could see team making a third round, maybe at best, third or fourth round. Yeah, I unfortunately don't have much hopes for him either. I was just kind of hoping that maybe someone on this podcast would. I feel bad. The guy's, you know, kind of been totally forgotten. I mean, what a downfall from winning the U.S. Open to, you know, it's like a, like I'm, I Googled his name, you know, Dominic Team in, in German and uh, like, you know, Austrian media is just like praising the man that he made it back to the top hundred like he's a god. I'm like, oh my geez, this is this is not normal. This is not good. Like, I don't, I don't know what to, what to think anymore. But, I really want know. to see him back at the top, man. That, that'd be, that'd be special if he made it back, you know, like top 10, top five. I mean, that would surely be one of the great comebacks of all time. Yeah. I mean, that would be yeah. almost like Del Potro-esque when Del Potro yeah. had that run and made the top eight again, you know, because it's, it's, it's a, it, I mean, listen, it, in fairness to Dominic team, what he, his injury was very tough. I mean, he has had to completely change his game. So, you know, it's it's very hard what he's doing. Yeah, that's true. Wrist injuries are tennis players' nightmare pretty much. So, well, folks, um, well, actually, last question. Who's going to win it? Who do we think is it? Who's going to win it? Um, Frank, you already kind of alluded oh, to it in the beginning. Novak, so. baby. Novak. Novak all day and twice on Sunday. Okay. We know where Frank stands. Phil, yeah, where do you I stand? Have to, I have to go with Novak Djokovic as the – undeniable strong favorite if i had to say something if i had to say someone else i don't think this person's going to win it but if i had to say someone else i'd probably i'd probably have to go with get say curios i know you want to say it just say no, it no honestly i don't see curios going all the way man because the main reason i don't see curios going all the way is because the guy's playing doubles as well and his body's not going to hold up for a whole double tournament true. and a whole singles tournament i don't know why he's playing doubles um I mean, sure, he's one of the best doubles players in the world, but 
he's at a stage of his career where I think, you know, he's not getting younger. Why not focus on singles, especially when you're so talented and you, you can win slams, man. But um, but I, I if I had to not say uh, not say Djokovic, I'd go with Tsitsipas, man. He's had a great tournament at the United Cup, and he's been he's been competing at the top level. He's made Slam finals. Why not? You know, why not break through? But yeah, Djokovic is the favorite. <laughs> I think that's a great take. Yeah. Me and Phil, I, you know what? Screw you, Marcus. I'm dumping you. I'm bringing him on. <laughs> we've we've been eye to eye this entire podcast. <laughs> I think that's spot on. I think I think Tsitsipas got to be in the top three favorites. I'm picking Joker to win. You're such a pansy. You're such a pansy. You're such a pansy. You're so full of it. You know, this whole thing, you're giving me crap for picking for picking Novak, and then you're picking, oh, I'm going to be in the contrarian. And then what does he do at the end? Folds like a house of cards right back into line, sheep. <laughs> oh, you just, you, I mean, come on, guys. You can't. You can't this, pick if he else wins this, this, tournament, this tournament, excuse me, when he wins this tournament, he is going to like it is going to be the one of the great Novak celebrations of all time. Like he's going to take his shirt off, he's going to rip it off like he did. He's going to scream into the camera. He's going to have <laughs> cool. some. His speech is going to be epic, epic. I'm telling. He's got a different edge to him right now because he was not allowed to play. This is what I'm telling you, Frank. This could be like a 2011 type year starting here. I'm so I'm so You're excited. You're acting for this as if I picked the guy to have a horrible year. I said that he's gonna win at least two slams, and we're acting like that's a, a, some some wild decline of Novak. Okay. this podcast is outrageous uh, that's going to wrap it for us guys thank you so much for listening and tuning in Frank can you please tell our listeners where we can uh, be found subscribed followed all that you jazz? can find us at Breakpoint Podcast 7 all over your social medias that's Twitter Instagram Tiki Talk you name it, it we're there do we post on all of them probably not but we we have a presence, and if you hit us up, I promise I will respond. You can also email us at breakpointpodcast7 at gmail.com. And Marcus has set us up on a lovely website. You can check us out at podpage.com slash break-point-podcast. And you'll find all of our episode lists as well as a cute little about us section with some pictures. Absolutely. And also, if you were looking to add some stuff to your resume as a guest on your Breakpoint podcast, we are now on LinkedIn as well. So make sure to give us a follow on LinkedIn. We're everywhere. Phil, if listeners want to follow your progress, uh, either personally or at LIU, where should they do that in terms of uh, tennis? LIU men's tennis website. You can just Google that or you can follow me on Instagram, Philip Hilgel. Thanks for having me on, guys. Phil, you got it. You're the man. Uh, we will see you guys next time. See Take you guys it. next time with with Phil as the new co-host of Breakpoint Podcast <laughs> as I kick off Marcus. See you guys. Thanks, Ouch. guys. Bye. <laughs>